Hey, what's up, man? How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, man. That's good. So, um, pretty much this is the 80th edition of the Rock Show. Right. 81st edition of the Rock Show. 81st episode. Yeah. Wow. So, we got to count down to 100, 19 more episodes. Yep, yep. We're going to do something special for 100. I'm not sure yet, but we'll do something special. Um, let me slide over and grab a Diet Coke while um, you introduce it. Today we got a special band that we're talking about. We talk about... Yeah. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the band Bauhaus, okay? They're pretty much the, uh, the first goth band. Uh, they pretty much invented the genre, in my opinion. Um, and they have a very interesting history. They weren't around for all that long early on, but uh, they made quite a big splash in what they did. But they had, you know what's funny about them? They had, they left and they came back. They broke up yeah. and came back. Yes, they did. They, 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 they were together for about five years and then broke up for about 15 years. But in that 15 years... A whole genre kind of developed out of what they had done. I thought that was amazing that, you know, and remember, we saw, we actually saw Peter Murphy uh, last year, right? Was it about yeah. last year? Yeah. Uh, trying to remember when that was. It, it was rescheduled. It was in the fall last year we saw him, I think uh, October or November. Um, he had had a, a heart attack over the summer. And, um, uh, Actually, no. Was it this year? Was it in January we saw him? Yeah, January. I think I it think. was January. Yeah, he had had a heart attack uh, last summer and had a you know turned down a lot of a lot of gigs. He had a he had a reschedule. He had like a residency at Le Poison Rouge down the Oblique Street on the West Side, and uh, you know once he rescheduled those shows, he did a whole bunch of them in a row. Remember? He did a lot. Yeah, he did. Uh, he pretty much did. Um, he did like a David Bowie tribute. Yeah, well, the night that we went, it was it was the the David Bowie tribute night, and you know he's known as a huge Bowie fan, and uh, always does Bowie songs well. So I was excited to see that. That was really good that night. Yeah, that was good. It was a packed house too, if you remember. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was very packed. I remember that. What was the opening band that day? He had like an opening band, right? I don't, I don't think so. I don't. I didn't see an opening band. I had gotten there. He was just about to go on. I remember. I I think he came out with the first song. Might have been Rebel Rebel. Yeah, something like that. And I know. I know you showed up a few minutes after me. Yeah, I, I showed. The, when I got there, the first song I was in was Rebel Rebel. Yeah, yeah. I think he had just started it. So it's cool. So anyway, uh, Bauhaus has an interesting history. We'll just dive right in here. They 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 started in Northampton, England. That's where they're from. In 1978. Um, the interesting thing too about Bauhaus is, is the four guys in the band have always been in the band. No, no changes, no lineup changes. Nobody got kicked out and replaced. It's always just been Daniel Ash on guitar and saxophone, Peter Murphy on vocals, Kevin Haskins on drums and his brother, David J. Haskins on bass. So you don't see that too much. There's usually some kind of lineup change, but they yeah, they, always like some kind of lineup change. Those people, you know, people quit or people they 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 get married or they do something that changes the whole lineup in the chemistry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Daniel Ash and David J and Kevin Haskins were performing in a bunch of different bands in that area in Northampton, 
And uh, one of the longer lived bands that they had been involved with was a band called The Craze. Now, Daniel Ash knew Peter Murphy from school and he wanted him to join the band because he had a great kind of look to him. And Murphy had no musical experience whatsoever. He never was in a band. He never sang. Nothing like that. And he was basically a factory guy. He was working at a printing factory at the time. But, but you know what? Then, he, he has a great voice. Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, um, you know, he was kind of like this hidden hidden talent that, you know, he had. I guess he didn't even realize he had it. But uh, So, Mike, let me ask you. So, when they first started, they were known as Bauhaus 1919. Yeah, that was the original name of the band, and that comes from, do you know what that comes from, the, the, the art scene in the 20s? Yeah, the art scene, that was like the artist, Oscar, whatever. Yeah, like I mean, it, it, it comes from the uh, the art movement in Germany out of a yeah. college in Germany called Bauhaus, Bauhaus yeah. College, and uh, it, it, it's interesting stuff. I've, I've kind of like researched it over the years it's kind of interesting it's all part of that german expressionist movement like uh that kind of gave us some great movies like you know the cabin and the dr caligari stuff like that like that style metropolis you know that that type of look came out of the bauhaus movement as well it's very kind of like stark a lot of black and white kind of you know colors uh opposites kind of like pointing off each other and uh it's just it's, it's an interest it was a very interesting scene very kind of like groundbreaking in the art world and i guess they were interested in it so they wanted to call themselves bauhaus 1919 uh that actually was uh i think david J had actually suggested that um but they even used the same artwork from the yeah yeah they took the their logo is the same logo as as the bauhaus movement yeah yeah, they, they, they use the same thing. Um, originally, David J. wasn't going to be part of this new band that Ash wanted to put together, but they would eventually ask him to join the band. And he came up with the name Bauhaus 1919. Now, he also had some obligations in a different band that he gave up to join Bauhaus. He was supposed to be playing some American air bases with another band that really wasn't going anywhere. So he just, you know, got out of that. And threw everything into Bauhaus. Their first gig would be at the uh, Cromwell Pub in Wellingboro on New Year's Eve, nineteen seventy-eight. That would be their very first gig. Um, the band right away had a—you could tell that they, they, they were different. They had a dark look to them, okay, and a dark sound that was not like anything in that area. Not, not nothing anybody in Northampton had ever seen. Uh, what they did early on, because they were so visual in, in their performances, is before they had a record contract, anything like that, they decided to videotape their an early gig, a whole gig from beginning to end, and shop that to the record companies. Okay, instead of having a demo, they had a video, which was kind of unique at the time. The only problem was <laughs> a lot of a lot of record companies didn't have like a VCR in their office to check it out so they ended up making you know making a demo anyway and it turned out to be good yeah well sure okay now uh mike so you know so i just want to get this clear because david j was not invited right but they had a guy originally not they had a guy named chris barber right 
Yeah, briefly, briefly. Uh, everything came out of that band called The Craze. Yeah. Okay. And what was happening was The Craze was just going to kind of change into this Bauhaus. They were adding Peter Murphy. They were tinkering with the lineup. And and just that, you know, The Craze was going to be no more. For some reason, David J., I'm not sure why he, he wasn't asked originally. I think Ash but, just wanted to control it because he, David yeah. J., got a weird thing that he takes over and i think ash was like nah this is my band this is my thing i want to control it but i think that's the only reason i i think it was because david J and and kevin were brothers yeah okay so you kind of had that two brothers against one dude kind of thing you know so maybe that was the dynamic he wanted to avoid but i think this you know the the bass player they had just wasn't going to work out so they had to ask david back yeah you know, he's a good he's a good bass player. They're, they're all good musicians. Do you think that made out that was better that choice of than Chris um, Barber? Well, Chris Barber went into nowhere. Okay, uh, I don't think that name pops up anymore in history, as far as I know. Um, you know, it was a, it you know they had experience with David J. It just was like you say, you know, maybe Ash wanted to try to control things a little bit and felt that having the two brothers was not a, a good idea for him, but. In the end, he had to give in because they just needed his his performance. You know, they needed his uh, his expertise on bass. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes when you're putting a band together, you may not even like the guy, you know, but he's so damn good. You want him in the band. You know, I don't know if that was true in this case, but that does happen in bands. Sometimes you have guys that just don't like each other, but they make it work. Yeah. So anyway, um, they decided to make a demo, okay, and they would enter uh, Beck Studios in Wellingsboro to record it. Now five tracks were done right away, and one would be their first, end up being their first single, and that was the the song "Bell Lugosi's Dead." That's a great song. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's that's the signature tune. Yeah. To Bauhaus, that's the song. I first song I ever heard from them. Yeah. And uh, they ended up putting it out on a label called Small Wonder Records in August of 79. And uh, at that point, they dropped the 1919 part of their name. Okay. And so then... when, they, when they pressed those records, it just was Bauhaus. It didn't say 1919. They never released anything as Bauhaus 1919. I think that, I think that they didn't either. Just being Bauhaus is good enough, you know? Yeah, I think the 19 was like a little too much probably, you know? too much of a distraction Bauhaus sounds good by itself now the other four songs on the demo because it was a five song demo was a song called boys a song called bite my hip a song called some faces and a song that was almost you know because they, they experimented with some different sounds this this song is is almost ska in the way yeah, it sounds. They, they experimented with uh, a little bit of psychedelic sky gram and gram rock yeah, well, I mean, they, they had all different influences. Uh, the song I'm talking about is a song called Harry. Harry. It's, about, it's about Debbie Harry from Blondie. The song is about her. And it's a very ska-sounding song. Uh, that, was, that was eventually released, I think, on the B-side of A Kick in the Eye. The, wow. uh, the, the song A Kick in the Eye. So it, was, it wasn't released for a few years. But it's a good tune. You can get it on compilations and stuff like that. Now... The single Bella Lugosi's Dead started getting interest, okay? Uh, DJ John Peel played it on his radio show, and uh, he asked the band to come on and, and record a live session. 
and that would happen and be broadcasting on January 3rd, 1980. And this guy, Peter, uh, John Pierce, he was a big um, BBC guy, right? He was like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's come up in a lot of our shows. We've mentioned him many times. Uh, you know, bands, when they came on the John Peel show, that could make or break you. If he liked you, okay, he played you on his, his show, you were, you were, you were going to be famous. That's that's how powerful he was. Because he loved T T Ray T Rex, right? That's why. Yeah, he was one I of mean, those... but that was that was that was ten years earlier. I mean, he'd been around. Wow. Okay. Yeah, T. You know, when he was when he was in love with T Rex, which was actually he really loved Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Okay, so you're talking sixty eight, sixty nine. Wow. And this is already nineteen eighty. So he'd been around. And the guy's just still going around playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he you know he had his radio show. And it was well respected, and the ratings were great. And and you know, you can you can look up a lot of bands from England from the seventies, and many of them, especially the really good ones, like all have John Peel recordings. Wow, where they would be, you know, uh, even bands that that maybe didn't go far. Uh, like one that comes to mind is the Slits, great okay. band, great female band. They have a fantastic performance on john peel it's like their best live shit it's wow just, i love that album now bill lugosi's dead like i said was starting to get a lot of uh notice and it really is when you listen to it it's the first gothic song like really in that genre that they didn't even know what they were doing they didn't realize they were they didn't go out to make a, a gothic song yeah they pretty much called them the the pioneers of goth music yeah <laughs> yeah 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 i mean one band that kind of took it a little bit too to goth is the Damned. Remember we did the the show on the Damned? Yeah. Okay, but that was like a few years later. They had probably I think they were listening to Bauhaus closely. Okay, and and went in that direction probably because of Bauhaus. Um but, you know, or to or to try to do something similar. But Bella Lugosi's dead. I mean, I remember the first time I heard that um was in the movie The Hunger. With we'll talk about that later. Do you remember that movie, The Vampire Flick? Yeah, that was a great movie. Yeah, Susan Sarandon, Catherine, yeah. all that, right? But David Bowie's in it in the beginning. Yeah. And in the in the opening credits, you see uh, Peter Murphy, um, you know, singing Bella Lugosi's Dead. And I remember hearing that. I guess it was when that movie came out, like eighty two, eighty three, being like, "What is that?" You know, it, it just was like such a different. I mean, I was listening to stuff like Susie and the Banshees and things, and that they kind of were. Susie and the Banshees were definitely uh, proto gothic, you know, like to say proto punk, like before, but like proto gothic. Like they kind of had some songs that definitely went into that, but Bauhaus took it. You know, with that like nine minute song, Bella Lugosi's Dead, they 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 took it into something totally different. Yeah, that's amazing. That it was a nine minute song, man. Yeah, yeah, and they released it as a single. <laughs> Not that's too many wild. people do that, you know. Now through 1980, they would release uh, two more singles, and it was for the 4AD label. Um, one song was called Dark Entries, and another one was called Terra Couple Kill Colonel. Okay. And it was released in January and June of 1980, those two singles. Now, all of that year of 1980, they were kind of busy working on their first LP. And it was called In the Flat Field, 
which would be it would come out on uh be released on november 3rd 1980 now that album in my opinion is really like the first goth record yeah okay. uh again like susie and the banshees had touched on similar style joy division is another band okay that had like a dark atmospheric sound to their music um you know but but Bauhaus the album in the flat field took it to a different level and it got mixed reviews off the bat uh new musical express and trouser press gave it like you know lukewarm reviews uh i mean to me it's 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 classic i mean when i listen to that album there's so many great goth songs on there like double dare uh the title track in the flat field a god in an alcove uh stigmata marta these were all like goth classics and they kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of bands that would come in the 80s bands like uh the cure yeah, well the cure absolutely but also other stuff like ministry <clears throat> okay uh ministry um skinny puppy sisters of mercy you know what about okay. ministry is one of those bands that they change with every album yeah but they always had that especially the early stuff they always yeah had oh yeah dark that darkness to them, even though they were kind of, you know, like an industrial sound. Definitely but, industrial, yeah. Yeah, I mean, many, many people cite Bauhaus as an influence. I mean, even uh, uh, one one guy that you wouldn't think, like Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, says Bauhaus is one of his favorite bands. Wow. Yeah. So you know, it's it's it, it it's just this kind of like you got for me this kind of music I got to be in the mood for. Okay, because it's like you gotta really just—it's good with headphones. <laughs> you know, just, just lie, lie there, smoke a joint, you know, put a headphone on, headphones on, and 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 lay back and listen to this. You know, it—it's it, when it came out. I think the critics really didn't know what to think of it because there's a lot of yelling. You know, Murphy's like screaming a lot and kind of almost like in pain, <laughs> kind of. You know, but. Uh, it's uh, it, it was a brand new kind of sound. I mean, not too many bands can be groundbreaking, and I think Bauhaus was. Now, Murphy had a, a Bowie sound alike voice sometimes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, in December of 1980, um, you know, he had he had like acknowledged his Bowie influence and all that. But another band that they were very influenced by was T Rex. You just mentioned them. Yep. And in 1980, December 1980, they released as a single the cover of T-Rex's Telegram Sand. Okay. And that was, you know, T-Rex was a big influence on a lot of British bands. And uh, definitely Bauhaus was, was one that was influenced. Yeah, so, they also released uh, uh, David, David Bowie, uh, Ziggy Stardust, too. That would, be, that would be later on. And it would be a huge hit for them. And we'll get into that. Uh, the, their version of Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> Rivals the original. It really yeah. Is. It was really fucking good. Yeah, you know. Really good. Let me ask you a question. What do you think of them? Like, were they like um once they were like the album was? Did they have um commercial success right off the back, or did they struggle? Well, in the flat field, did okay. It didn't do it. It. it I think it cracked. You know, the top two hundred. Not in the states. Not it. They didn't really have. They did go to the states early on i think the first time they went might have been about 79 okay or, or or 80 possibly might have been the first year they came to the states and then they went 
I think it was 80, actually, if I remember right. And then they went like once a year pretty much until 83. So they, you know, they didn't play many gigs in the States. They just did a handful in that early, those early years. Um, The funny thing with them is, you know, after they broke up in 83, you know, the guys went on to different things and they made more money and had more success away from Bauhaus. Yeah. You know, because, you know, Daniel Ash and, and, and David J and David Haskins, they started Loving Rockets. That's a that great was, band. That was, yeah, I, I like quite a few songs by them. And Peter Murphy had his own career. He had, you know, a, a couple albums did really well. He had that, um, I think in 89, that, that album Deep that MTV played the shit out of, that song Cut You Up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, he had like blonde hair then. He kind of looked like Bowie. Yeah. You know, but we're jumping ahead here because the label 4AD after they had put out in the flat field started having money problems and their parent company was called beggars banquet records. And they ended up kind of like moving over to the parent company because 4AD had to fold up. And right around that time, they would release the single kick in the eye, which is a great tune. That is a great fucking song. That was, that was one of their first big hits. It got to number 59. And then the following single was called The Passion of Lovers. And that would get to number 56 in July of 81. So slowly they were like moving up. They're creeping yeah, up. Slowly, slowly. And, and, and they began working in early 81 on their second album, the one called Mask. And uh, on this one, they decided to be much more experimental. Like tracks like Kick in the Eye, it has almost like a funk rhythm to it. Yeah, and it's got some saxophone. Daniel Ash is playing sax. Uh, they added keyboards. Okay, uh, there's a track called "Dancing" and "In Fear of Fear" that had keyboards on it. That was the first time they really used that. Um, the album "Mask" came out in October of '81, and it was actually, even though it was experimental, and they were kind of tinkering with their sound. It was actually received very well by the critics, and a lot of the critics that kind of like. Well, Luke warmed to them with the first album, really liked his second album. So they were moving up, and the critics were starting to take notice. Uh, Trouser Press said the album was way better than their first album. So they had like the uh, they had like a little bit of a weird um, freshman um, kind of jinx, and then as a sophomore, they did good. Yeah, well, they didn't have the sophomore jinx. Okay, usually the sophomore jinx is when your your first album does great and your second no. album doesn't. No, they had the they had the freshman jinx. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess, you know. But uh, the band decided to do something interesting. What they did to promote this album was they shot a video for the title track "Mask," and uh, that was a big thing at the time. Not too many people were making were making videos. In July of '82, they would release their seventh single, the song called "Spirit," and it was re- it was produced by a guy named Hugh Jones. And uh, I think that this song "Spirit" was the, was an attempt to kind of be a little commercial. Yeah, definitely um, commercial. Yeah, I mean, Hugh Jones would end up being involved with like Echo and the Bunnymen and got bands like that um, in the early '80s. And I think he had the kind of experience that they thought they would have a hit with this. Now, they the song only made it to number forty-two, so it didn't really make a big hit for them. But the band actually was really displeased with the whole song in general, the way it came out. So when they released it as a single, 
it, it you know if you buy the album okay that they were working on the, the third album called the sky's gone out the, the version of spirit is way different than the single version so it has a totally kind of different they re-recorded it they just didn't like the original version the original version the single version of it they like the album version of it and that album would come out their third album the sky the sky's gone out would come out later in 82 um but after that spirit single bombed they did have a top 20 hit and that's with the cover of david bowie's ziggy stardust which we just mentioned before um this was their first top 20 hit and it was recorded in a session with the bbc okay that's 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 how they did it uh it wasn't on the album or anything like that now the song will get to number 15 and it would give the band an appearance on top of the pops because anything that was top 40 will get you an appearance on top of the pops that was the first time they were ever on that show um the thing too is that the single helped push the album so the album actually got to number four and that was their biggest hit that was definitely a big hit and it was a remake you know Uh uh-huh well the, the one song was a remake but it was all new music um this was the year also 82 that they uh they made an appearance in the film the hunger yeah like i mentioned before now what's interesting is and it kind of like created a problem in the band is the band was 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 brought in to perform it's a it's a scene in a club okay and you see bowie in the club with catherine denyuv um, Susan Saran is not there yet. She's not introduced until a little bit later. But you see, you see Catherine Deneuve and you see Bowie in the club, and you see these like goth people, and they're kind of like dancing around, and you know that something's up with Deneuve. Uh, you know, there's a you got you could just tell like there's something evil about her. Uh, Bowie looks great. He's just got like sunglasses on in the scene. But what was supposed to happen was the band was supposed to be shown the whole band. Okay, in the movie at the opening credits. But when the movie was cut and released, they only showed Peter Murphy. Yeah, the final cut that was only Peter. They focus on Peter Murphy. Yeah, they focus on Peter Murphy uh, a bunch of times in that scene. And uh, I think it kind of created a problem in the band. I think what they were noticing is that Murphy's getting way too much attention. Now, there was another thing going on in England at the time. That was attracting attention to Murphy. Now, do you remember uh, Maxell Cassettes? Yes. Okay. Do you remember they had that advertising campaign, the commercial with, with, the, the, guy, with the guy in the chair? Yeah. And it, it looks like he's getting blown away by the music. His hair is going all the way yeah. back. Okay. Now, in America, they had a, a model actor. I don't know who he is. But in England, they used Peter Murphy. Wow. Peter Murphy was the the blown away guy. That's what they call him. Okay. The blown away guy. The blown away guy. And he made a lot of money with that. And I think, uh, you know, I, I that created a problem in the band, you know. So in October of 82, The Sky's Gone Out was released, but it was somewhat experimental too, okay. And it had a cover of the Brian Eno song, Third Uncle. And the new recording spirit was on there. And they kind of dabbled a couple of songs with reggae and ska. Uh, But not, you know, just touching on it. It wasn't really like a straight up reggae song or anything like that. But um, 
the music was still was still considered dark. One song on there that I always loved was called Swing the Heartache. That's a that's a really good song on that album. Um in early 83, Peter Murphy got sick. Okay. Uh he was stricken with pneumonia. And the rest of the band kind of had to take a a big hand in writing and recording the Bauhaus fourth album called Burning from the Inside. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, this would be this would be kind of a problem in the band because Daniel Ash and David J started the recording without Murphy. And I think that pissed them off. Uh, they couldn't wait to record. And uh, they actually sing lead on a couple of the songs. So that created further rifts in the band. And the track on there that I love is called She's in Parties. Okay. And that was released as a single in April of 83. And that would be their last single released commercially. And it would get to number 26. And it would earn them another appearance on top of the pops. So once again, they're on top of the pops. They're doing well. Um, in July of that year of 83, Burning from the Inside would be released. And the band would go on an international tour. They would be playing Europe and the Far East. They went to Japan, right? Yeah, I believe they went to Japan. Um, probably Bangkok, Thailand, like that stuff. Okay, that's usually the, the way they do it, you know. Remember, remember the Hanoi Rock show? Yeah. All it's, right. So, it's amazing how that show is doing so good right now. How many people like him? The Hanoi Rock show did do very well. It does yeah. very well. Yeah, that's cool. That's and, cool. And the uh, white, the, the fucking uh, cheap trick too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we you know we've 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 done some good ones, man. You know, it's just uh, hit or miss. You know. Yeah. So when they did the Far East tour. Uh, they kind of was starting to realize that, you know, the band's not working anymore. It was beginning to fall apart. Uh, they announced that, well, they, they announced to themselves, they didn't make it public, but they, they decided that on July 5th, 1983, they would play their last show. And that was at the Hammersmith Palais in London. And uh, fans were kind of tipped off that you got to go to this show. They didn't say they were breaking up, but they were like, you know, don't miss these shows. There was actually two in a row and uh after a long encore on the last night uh david J left the stage they had done some early songs as the encore and uh david J left the stage saying the words rest in peace wow (laughs) imagine that yeah and actually the album hadn't actually come out yet it was it was released the following week and got to number 13 so that was that was a successful album as well uh, they would also release a single just for their fans in a fan club called Sanity Assassins. And that was just for members of their fan club. And then, that, you know, that would be the original incarnation. Okay. And they, you know, they would spend the next 15 years in solo careers. Okay. Love and Rockets, like I mentioned, Peter Murphy, uh, Daniel Ash, I believe around, I want to say 89 or 90. He had that big hit in America, So Alive. Remember that song? I remember. I do remember that song. Yeah. Yeah. That was like his his biggest hit. Um, that was after Love and Rockets actually had, had broken up. Um, Love and Rockets, I liked. They had that version of Ball of Confusion. Yeah. And um, uh, No New Tale to Tell. 
That was another one. Very different than, than Bauhaus. More yeah. upbeat. I think Love and Rock is a place that it's a band that we might touch with a compilation of a bunch of other bands because they yeah. they were a very interesting history of yeah, the rock. They, they were, and and they what I always find interesting with them is if you watch their videos, and they made very good videos on MTV. Um, a lot of times they wear all white, and the stage is white, and everything is bright, bright colors. And it's exactly the opposite of Bow Wow. Yes, I mean, it's just incredible how, yeah, how the opposite. They, they really, they really like. They wear like you know white hats or white, you know, pants or something or a shirt. And it's like you look at them and you go, well, they're totally opposite of what they just had done for the last five years. You know, Mike, but, you uh, want to hear why? Because if you had the devil and the angel on one show, there would be Bow House. On the other show, there would be Love and Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, the only Murphy kind of stayed in that genre because he was the voice. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't know if you'd really call it goth. It was kind of like in the, in like what the cure was doing. Like he was, he got into that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like that, that album, um, I think it was called deep from 1989 with the song cut you up. And and it was one other one that was a minor hit name escapes me at the moment but like i remember seeing that on mtv and being like well it's not bad okay he had like a lot of strings and violins in that song and everything and you know it was kind of like it was kind of like a depressing kind of song but that's that's what he did you know that's the kind of shit he was doing now uh david j actually recorded a couple of solo albums in 84 and 85 uh and one interesting thing that he did is uh, he recorded with the comic book writer Alan Moore, the guy who did Watchmen. Yeah. And he was in a short-lived band with him called the Sinister Ducks. I never knew Alan Moore was in a band. I did not know that either. Yeah, I I never knew that. I'd like to hear what it sounds like, the Sinister Ducks. Sinister Ducks. Yeah, I don't know if they ever recorded anything. i have to check it out. But um, uh, in 85... Daniel Ash and, and, and David J and Kevin Haskins actually were trying to put Bauhaus back together. So that was two years after they had broken up. Yeah. And uh, Peter Murphy was invited down with the other three to the studio uh, to do a rehearsal and see how it would come together. But Murphy didn't show up. Okay. He, he stiffed them. All right. And uh, these guys decided to just jam and they kind of they liked the, the chemistry so much that that's how Love and Rockets got started. Wow. Okay, so that was in 1985, and they were like, you know, way more commercially successful than, than Bauhaus was. Um, but, okay, after 15 years and, and a whole goth scene with so many bands that would, you know, be influenced by them. Dude, by it's amazing, like from Typo Negative to like, even a rock band, like this is Dude, they don't even talk about Nine Inch Nail. You talk about all yeah. these bands that it's like fascinating how many people they influence. Yeah, I mean, think about the sound of Nine Inch Nails. Think about the sound of Ministry or even uh, bands like Marilyn Manson. Oh, it's definitely okay. a lot like the original yeah. Bauhaus. Yeah, definitely they were listening to that. Okay. Uh, typo negative, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, now, they would reunite in 1998. Uh, they had. <clears throat> excuse me they had a song called the dogs of vapor okay and it would release a live album 
uh, also on that on that reunion called Gotham. All yeah, right, but so that that song, the 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 dog of vapor, was in a very interesting movie. Uh yes, heavy, was, heavy metal two thousand. Heavy metal two thousand. That's Which right. I loved. I watched that. I remember that song on on the thing. I love the original heavy metal, but when that heavy metal two thousand came on, holy shit! I thought I was yeah. great. I only saw that once. I have to check that out again. It's I a it's a good movie. It's like a yeah. great tribute to the original heavy metal because it's pretty much based on the heavy metal comic book. Yeah. And it was just fantastic. Like if you like oh, that right. whole rock genre with cartoon and they're like cursing, that's fucking, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the first heavy metal movie is classic. You know, they made a, a few of them in the 80s. It was, you know, American pop, heavy metal. You know, a lot of those are good. Um, in 2005 now, seven years later, they would reunite again, okay? And it, they were playing what was called the uh, Coachella Festival in California. Um, and, and what was interesting, I mean, everybody wants to hear Bela Lugosi's Dead. So what they did on that tour is, is, is when they played it live, it would be the first song that they would do. Okay, so right away they were getting that song out of the way. But, but Peter Murphy would get lowered upside down. <laughs> yeah, like a vampire. <laughs> onto the stage like a vampire. Yep, yep, I know. He is a vampire. Yeah. I thought that, that was incredible, man. <laughs> yep, yep. Now, I saw them in 98. That was the only time I ever saw them. Uh, it was over at Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah. And uh, they, they didn't lower him onto the stage, but he had such a presence. Okay, it was it was amazing. I think they did two or three nights at, at Hammerstein. Yeah, we were going to see them in Radio yeah. City. Yeah, I know. And the whole COVID thing blew that apart. But we still got tickets. And, then, you know, I was on their website and there was a little bit about them saying that they, they're trying to figure out how they're going to do this in 2021. So, you know, we'll, we'll see them. We got the tickets. Oh, so they're going to reschedule for 2021? Yeah. yeah, but they just don't know when or how they're doing it. That's not a bad thing. No. I mean, they they didn't refund my money. The tickets are still there. They're just going to reschedule. So many bands now have had to do that because of the coronavirus. Dude, you know how crazy that is? How many bands are going to have to redo their shows and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Think about how much money that's lost, you know? Dude, imagine that big Guns N' Roses tour. Well, I don't know if you heard, but in England, um, the, the, the British government is going to bail out the music industry. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they and, and the, the venue industry also, okay, because venues have been hit so hard that they may have to close. And same in America, but there's no talk yet of that happening here. Um, something's going to have to be done because some of these places, they've been boarded up for months. How are they going to stay in business? Especially if the bands can't come here to play. You know, so it's, it's a scary thing right now. I mean, bands have been trying to make up for it by doing little streaming concerts online and stuff like that. But that's, you know, what are you going to charge? $10, $20? You know, it's yeah, not you can't be- charge much for streaming something, you know? No, no. And, and some bands have been doing, you know, quite a bit. But you're not going to make any real money with that. That's just to keep everybody happy. You, you know, get out there and talk. You know who always streamed the show every time was uh, Fish, believe it or not. Yeah, well, they suck. <laughs> no, but they got a, they got, dude, they make, 
They got so many yeah. fans that they squeeze no, it I so. Know. They're, 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 they're big. They're big. And, and, even, uh, in, even in Pink. You want to hear something funny? Pink would play those shows. Really? Yeah, Pink, if they're, if they're fucking in Pink, they would do um, nights where they would play the um, they would play the freaking um, Fish concert. They had the live stream. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Fish reminds me of like the Grateful Dead of, t- of today. <laughs> you know, don't they play for like three fucking hours? Oh, they play for three. And then some of their songs yeah. are, can be everything between 20 minutes long. Yeah, it's it's yeah. amazing. I can't deal with that, man. I go crazy at a show like that. <laughs> but um, in 2008, now they would come out with their first studio album, new studio album since 83. So it was 25 years. And uh, it was called Go Away White. All yeah. right. And the album was recorded basically very simply in one room. And most of the first takes were used as the final cuts. And that's their last, you know, album, studio album. Now, something had happened in that room. And they basically, they got all got into a fight. And that album almost didn't come out. And they were going to tour behind it. But the whole thing fell apart. All right. And uh, they announced right again that they were breaking up again. So, uh, you know, no one quite knows exactly what happened. I think it had something to do with Murphy and David J, possibly. But uh, that was in 2008. Now, since then, there really hasn't been much talk until 2019. So 11 years went by. Uh, Peter Murphy would occasionally come around, you know, do some live shows. I remember, you know, hearing about it. Uh, Daniel Ash and David J and David Haskins, as far as I know, they weren't doing much. If they were, it might have been over in England. Yeah. But in 2019, after 11 years, they would play uh, the 5,000 seat Hollywood Palladium. Okay. And it, it sold out right away. They added two more shows by December of that year, 2019. Um, and Bauhaus is back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, announced that they were going to do a, a bunch of shows. And unfortunately, the coronavirus, you know, blew that open. Now, um, Tristan from the Undead, bass player from the Undead and bass player from Antidote, uh, he actually went to one of those shows at in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Wow. And he said it was fucking great. He's originally from California. So he, he goes back and forth a lot between here and California. And uh, he's got a kid out there. And um, he told me. He said they were, they were fucking fantastic. I mean, I was concerned about his voice and, you know, we had had tickets for, for, uh, for the Peter Murphy show at Le Poison Rouge. And I remember asking him like, how's his voice? He says, it's great. Okay. So I was, you know, I'm, you know, they did all the songs that you wanted to hear. And, uh, I was really looking forward to that Bauhaus show, but you know, hopefully we get to get to see them. Yeah, if they if they make it to next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, th- th- their legacy, and we talked about this a little bit, but I'll bring it up again, is, you know, so many bands like Typo Negative, uh, Marilyn Manson, Skinny Puppy, even bands like Christian Death or Celtic Frost, okay, they all claim Bauhaus as an influence. Jane's Addiction uh, claims it, Soundgarden, uh, The Flaming Lips, all right. And actually, do you, you're a comic book guy. So do you remember the Neil Gaiman series, The Sandman? 
Oh, I love the Sandman. That was okay, great. Remember, remember, remember the character Dream? Yeah. That's based after. That's based off of Peter Murphy. Wow, I didn't know that. But yeah, I can look see at, it. Look, look, look at his face. Yeah, you can. I can see it now when you yeah. think about it. Because yeah, they had yeah. that Sand. Have you ever seen the Sandman movie? It was a little bit weird. It was weird. I did see it one time. Yeah, it's, it is a weird movie. So that's all I got for you today with this. Wow, that was um, that's a lot of information, man. So, um, Mike, what do you think? You think by um, um, twenty twenty one, they might they re uh, they reunite to do the tour. You think we might see an album come out of this? Maybe a live album. I'm not sure about a studio album. You don't think uh, a studio album? You know, maybe they've taken this time off to work on something. Okay, they've been very quiet. I've been checking on them every couple of weeks, and uh, there really hasn't been any news. So I'm not sure. You know, they may not want to sit down and write. You know, they may want to just you know record a live album and 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 hope that sells. Um, uh, you know, I think they're doing this for the fans and for themselves. It's not really about making a lot of money. So they're just doing it for the love of the of the music and stuff, right? Right. I mean, uh, you know, here's a band that that really from 78 to 83, that was their their prime. So a lot of people really didn't get to see them and they they didn't play America that much back in those days. So, you know, the American audience, when 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 they announced like the the Hollywood shows, it sold out right away. Even Radio City, uh, when they announced it, I, I was buying the tickets and. You know, three quarters of the of Radio City was sold out in, I want to say, an hour or two, you know, and uh, they did sell out. And that was just a one night. They only had one night planned for that show. That's crazy. And they, yeah, they sold yeah. out. Yeah. You know, I mean, once all this is over, I think a lot of a lot of bands will be back out. You know, they, they have to. They have to. Wow. Yeah. So let's see. Hopefully we get to see them next year, man. Yeah, yeah, 2021, a lot of bands are coming back in 2021. I've been hearing all the dates for different bands. They all say 2021. Wow. So you you think by 2021, we'll definitely have, like, be able to sit in a place? Because even, um, you know what's crazy? Even um, Broadway got canceled to January of 2021, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. If we don't have a, uh, you know... That's that's a whole other show we could do about the coronavirus. Yeah, that's like we're gonna have to do like a rock show exclusive of how the coronavirus affected the music industry in 2020, man. Because yeah, everything, yeah. dude. Think about how bad it is. It affected the movie industry. No movies are coming out. It's crazy. I was actually just I was actually just gonna say that. I mean, the movie industry got totally put on hold. So you know, it it's I think that it's gonna be a, a game changer. You know, I think that, you you know, now you're going to see a lot more like when it comes to movies, there's going to be a lot more films that are just going streaming or like Netflix or like things like that. You know, you're going to see less and less Hollywood movies in the theater. I have a feeling. Yeah. Look at look at a Hamilton. Hamilton was filmed to be in the movie and Disney just put it on on the network. And then it went crazy in one day. And one could do. They had like they had record download in three days. They had close to a million downloads. Wow! Like they had four hundred thousand in America, and then they had like seventy two thousand in in Europe. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's a big hit. That thing, Hamilton. 
Yeah, there was another movie that it was supposed to be. It was called Anthem Fowl. Was supposed to go to the movie theater, and because of this whole thing, right. went straight to uh, Disney Plus. Wow, wow. So what do we got coming up, Mr. Rossi? We got um, Sweet, right? We got Sweet, Slade, um, Slade Gary uh, Glitter. Gary Glitter, yep. And the making of the Beatles Revolver for uh, September, man. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be good. And I'm going to be coming up in the next few days for maybe October and November. And uh, we should maybe in December at some point have like that 100 show. We're going to do something special for that. And then uh, obviously a Christmas show again. Yeah. Then it'll be the end of another year, man. Hey, you want to hear to everybody, this is uh, upon like Labor Day weekend. It's the following week, I think, right? Yeah, end of August, this will be on. So this is um, pretty much get ready for Labor Day next week. Everybody enjoy the Labor Day. And uh, Mike, where can um, we reach you for any uh, questions and um, answer? And we also do um, the once a month um, chatter group that we talk about bands and music. If anybody want to join us. Yeah, well, them- where you can find that is the Rock Show podcast group page on Facebook. Um, I'm very active on that. I put a lot yeah. of music up every day, little stories, a little information about bands and stuff and upcoming podcasts. Of course, you can get the podcast on that group page. So check it out on Facebook, the Rock Show Podcast group page. Also, you can find me on Facebook under my regular name, which is Michael Baker. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Rocker Mike 212, Rocker Mike 212. You can find me on Twitter, Rocker Mike 3. And uh, I'm always, I'm always online doing something. Yeah, he's always, and um, you seen that article I put about cream that I put on the thing? Yes. What do you yeah. think of that? Interesting, very interesting. Interesting. I read it. I was like, well, oh, these guys are gonna love that. Um, another thing, guys, we got the Rock Show T-shirts. If you want to support the show, get a T-shirt. I have wrestling tees, pro wrestling slash getting lumped up. For nineteen ninety nine, you can look as good as me and Rocker Mike look. <laughs> I hope you look better than me and you. <laughs> <laughs> they did better because don't they have a problem? <laughs> and um, and if you guys want to reach me, you can get me on the Rock Show um, um, group page on uh, Facebook. You can get me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and um, what the hell's the other one? Um, Instagram and. and just, anything, getting um, lumped, anything getting lumped up. Anything right. getting lumped up, you can find me. Also, go to the website, check it out. We have a lot of. We I just um revamped the website. There's a lot of good shit on there. Gettinglumpedup.com. Um, Gettinglumpedup.com. Hmm? Gettinglumpedup.com. And um, again, people, thank you for the love and support. You guys are yep. showing us because um, you know, Rocket Mike works hard at getting some of this information. I do the research also, and I bring up some questions. But, um, guys, thank you for making us the uh, number two um, rock show in America. Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. Why be number one when you can be number two? Well, hey, number two is okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, thanks, everybody. And remember, what do we always say? Don't get drunk, get lumped up. up. Have a good one, guys.